What's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Pursuing Purpose. And guys, today, as you can tell, I've got probably one of the best dynamic duos to ever exist. Sweet. So, Justin Siegel and Kevin Morrison. Thank you guys for joining me put today. So a round of applause on here. Right. Like the, studio uh, audience. Yeah, studio audience. Let's go. Yeah, wonderful. Um, so yeah. Danielle, it is a pleasure and an honor to be on this podcast. <laughs> I can't tell you how long I've been waiting since you started it is how long I've been waiting. Bro, when Justin asked me to be on this podcast, I was like, are you serious or are you just like joking around? Yeah, because, her response was priceless. Well, because I'm like, Justin is like thinking traveling artists like how who would want you know both of them living lives kevin's married kevin's like a traveling artist who too. would want to be on my part but like <laughs> they took the time to come out here and do this um but yeah i've known them probably four or five years now since i was like that a freshman freshman in high school um justin was the communications director here um and basically taught yeah r.i.p basically taught me everything that i know grew my passion for all of this and now i've kind of taken over and then kevin was kids and youth assistant everything. for a while <laughs> like literally he does everything kevin was the gopher um, yeah and then he became our youth pastor um justin was very involved with youth as well so both of these guys have literally raised me basically have meant so much to me in my life i would not truly i would not be who i am without you guys you've so. grown up so fast and i need you to not get this emotional okay <laughs> i know okay literally, i was I'm like, like oh my gosh. <laughs> no, because I truly, I mean, I truly consider you guys just like mentors, but just like brothers and I mean, all of the we above. We consider you family. I consider you family. I consider I you guys family. I do too. What, what do you mean you can't speak for I me? I can't speak Yes, for you can. <laughs> if you know something, you can speak for it. So I'm so happy to have you guys on Danielle, here. I'm incredibly proud of you. Oh, yes. thank you Likewise. guys so much. It's, it's, it's already getting to be emotional. on here. It's okay, let's, let's get past it. <laughs> okay, I'm that's not what we're here part. to talk about. <laughs> um, but maybe just go on ahead, like introduce us like a little bit about yourselves. Maybe Justin Starr and then Kevin. Maybe even just how you guys met and like know each other. Uh, my name is Justin Siegel. I, <clears throat> what do I do? He's famous. You're a full-time performing artist. I'm a full-time artist. Full-time painter, I should say. Because if you say artist in Nashville, they think you do music. Um, with a guitar in front of you. Good old country. So... Justin's uh, a country artist. I am a right country now. artist, an artist in the country. No, I do paintings and stuff. Um, my background is in performance art, so I create these five foot paintings in five to seven minutes to music. Um, really create an experience where people can get involved. They can they can help feed into the energy to create the painting, mm -hmm. and so um, that's my passion. And yeah, I also do some photography on the side, some video editing. And he's very good at it. Oh have, yeah, I have oh, yeah. a ton of social media pages for my different passions, but bro, he's over here like being so humble, acting like it's nothing, <laughs> like y'all, <laughs> y'all, like incredibly talented. At in, Seagull Arts, in... just to make a plug, because oh know, yeah, he's not link in the it. bio for sure. You already know. <laughs> At Seagull Arts on everything, like TikTok, Instagram, for like all of it, Facebook, all of it. So link in the bio for sure. Yeah. Cheers. All right, Kev Dog. Cheers, mate. All right. Is it my turn? Kev Dog. Uh, yeah. My name is Kevin. Do I say my last name? What's Morrison? wrong with your eye, Kevin? Uh, yeah, the <laughs> podcast budget. We're unfortunately, jumping right in. The podcast budget, unfortunately, did not have enough money in it the makeup to do crew makeup. Did not show up today to touch mm. me up. Um, I can't play softball to apparently, touch you up. and um, so I took a ball to the face a couple weeks ago. It is healed a whole lot better than what it was. It before. honestly, like your nose looks really good. My nose looks great. Yeah, I'm like the under thankful. eyes are black. Was it but broken? Like... Uh, it's fractured. I'll, I'll it show is you, fractured. I'll show you X-rays. Up here where the scar is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so that's what happened to my face. Mm-hmm. Pay attention to our, our wonderful words instead of our, our looks today. Uh, <laughs> is what I ask. But um, yeah, so you I need to come up with a more interesting story. I got beat up by my wife. There you go. Um, Shout out Mackenzie. Let's go. So I Swing yeah. It. Danielle mentioned I used to work at said church that she works at now and was the youth pastor. Loved it. Have a really strong passion with uh, working with students in youth ministry. Um, I don't do that currently. I do disaster response for the Red Cross. That's probably the lamest thing Basically I could the ever same. say. Basically the same. But yeah, that's my life. I love sports. I'm a big soccer fan. So shout out to all the soccer people that are listening to this. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, since he didn't say it, Justin and I, we met initially. We went to school I together, Lee University, go Flames. Uh, Flame on. He was doing some dance things, and I was also a part of this thing that was involved with dance. And I that's, always forget that's how we met. That's how we initially met, and then uh, because it's a Christian university, they're not allowed to have real fraternities and sororities, so we had fake fraternities and sororities. <laughs> and so Justin and I are frat brothers, and our story kind of goes on from – just that we Justin is the reason why I came to Murfreesboro initially, but um, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, things have evolved <laughs> since then, and that's a story for another podcast another day. If Danielle happens to have us back, if she no, for sure, we'll have to bring this. you back. <laughs> we'll bring Matt McKenzie, CC. We'll get them all on here. Oh snap! Uh, right, a Let's whole go. Family affair. Whole family. Uh, yeah, um, that's our stories. That's right, us. and now and Kevin's married. I am married. Talk uh, about that. Uh, almost, getting close to a year close a to a months, year yeah. uh, labor day weekend is uh our, our anniversary so i met my wife at lee she's nashville born and raised and um again story for another day but uh played the long game with her you know <laughs> we kind of just friends initially but stayed in contact for a good bit and mm-hmm. uh justin was a good wingman eventually at some point of the of our story yeah it was getting too long man and, i was uh, like listen like, it is time it's up. time to move this <laughs> to the next level yeah. so anyway he he pushed me a little bit and we dated mm-hmm. for about a year and got engaged and we're married we live in north nashville now so it's Let's a go. it's a great life that we live mm-hmm. that is so cute so so cute anyway, oh my but that's not why we're here. we're here i also lived with him for like a month and a half I also lived with Justin for a month uh, when mm-hmm. I first got here. So yeah. we, we got great history. Right. Um, so that's awesome. Thank you guys for just like introducing yourselves. Um, I like us. to do a small little segment at the beginning. just like of little ASMR. icebreakers. AS- I mean, you can do some ASMR. Everyone likes to get ASMR. Stop messing up your podcast. <laughs> Bro, this is, this is Justin in like raw form. I mean, Welcome is, to entertainment, this everybody. This is him. Um, but yeah, just like some icebreaker questions. So I texted Jordan and Blake and I was like, okay. Oh, no. I was like, okay. I'm having, you know, Justin and Kevin on my podcast. I like, what should I do? Like, what should I do for icebreakers? They suggested never have I ever because they're like, they're frat boys. So do like never have I ever. Okay. Oh my gosh. They gave me some suggestions. Oh my gosh. Words. Some suggestions. They're hard. It's hard to find the balance between like appropriate and like not boring. <laughs> so yes, it is. Like really, really hard. You I know? Like, edge fair. that line off. Right, right, right. Because there's a lot of like really good ones, but it's like it's probably not appropriate. So I did my best. Or my there's response a few would on not here. be appropriate. Well, we'll see. Might have to do some editing on this next part, guys. Um, but yeah, so I'm just gonna jump right in. Um, never have I ever had road rage. Obviously, we've all had road rage, but do you have like a specific, like really just like crazy story about road rage? I was about to ask how never how I ever works. I don't think I've ever played it. Well, so, well, typically you do like the whole finger, like hand. Oh, thing. and you pull one you down. You put if a you finger have. down. Never, yeah, never but we have can... I ever. Justin has never ever played. Never have I ever. So. Cool. So never have I ever played. Never have I ever. 
Pinky. Yeah. <laughs> Keep all your hands up. Um, so, yeah. So, road rage. Yes, road rage. That's the question. Um, you want a road rage story? Yeah. Like I think if, Kevin needs if, to go if first. If there's one that just, like, comes to... Because, obviously, we all have road rage. But is there one that, like, comes to your mind that's just, like, that was crazy? Uh, this podcast would be way too long if we <laughs> talked about all my road rage incidents. Oh, yeah. Yes, it would. Um, I don't necessarily feel like I have a specific instance that comes to my mind. But mm-hmm. I definitely suffer from road rage often. Uh, my biggest make pet it sound peeve, like it's a disease, like it's something you it can't is, control. My biggest pet peeve is when there's two lanes, or when there's three lanes, and it merges mm. into two, and some Joe Schmo tries, oh, tries yeah. to go all the Woo! way to the end, and I am definitely the guy who mm. does the uh, civil duty of making sure they don't get over, <laughs> and it does not end up very well. So, right? Yeah, I, I'm. I being stubborn, from, crazy. I suffer from road rage for mm-hmm. sure. Um, next one. Have never have I ever fell asleep during a church service. All the time. Easily. Mm-hmm. All the time. Yeah. Uh, especially during youth trips. Um, yeah, like that's, when, that, that's me for sure. Three a, hours later. There's a reason why they call me people, and <laughs> I mean, like nine o'clock hits, I'm ready to go to bed. Mm-hmm. So if service starts to get really oh, yeah. long, uh, I'm I'm mm-hmm. falling asleep. I'm dozing right. Off. It's when mainly I was the like, trips for me too. Well, because you're exhausted from playing out in the sun, and then you had a service that morning, you got a service at night, Mm -hmm. and it's three hours long. Right. Very difficult. When I was younger, I would crawl underneath the pew Mm -hmm. during Sunday night service, because we had Sunday morning service, and then Mm -hmm. drama practice, and then Sunday night service, I would crawl under the pew, that way my head, like my eyes wouldn't have the lights in Mm -hmm. them, and I would just zonk out underneath the pew. Right. We're also a pastor's kid, so there's probably a lot Mm -hmm. of instances where when we were younger... Where we it's just, like you yo, there, we doubt. So. Yeah. When we were younger, but also when I was an adult, when I would come home from college, my parents lived in Florida. <laughs> they moved there while I was in college. And um, I would start out service during worship and I'd be tired and I didn't want to hear the preaching. So I would go into my dad's office and I would mm-hmm. fall asleep in his chair. Take a little nap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. We'll snooze. That's, that's our story. Yeah. We're sticking to it. <laughs> um, <laughs> never have I ever been on TV. Oh, I have. Multiple times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're superstars. What do you love? Obviously, celebrities. Have you ever seen um, Shake It Up Chicago? <laughs> I was a background dancer. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't believe that. Are you being serious? No. no. Um, I almost said something. Um, yeah, for real. Like, are you actually on the show? Like, no yes, I'm the kids on like the say. show. So what, do you know what episode Season you're on? two, episode three. Are you? Okay. Yeah. That's we're looking crazy. that up afterwards. Yeah. That I'm just kidding. Crazy. That is a bold face lie. Okay, I was but... like, bro, I was not kidding. <laughs> Isn't Shake It Up Chicago a fake show? No, it's not. Okay. Shake It Up Chicago was on Disney. Here's the thing, though. When I was... No, yeah. Shake It Up Chicago is real, and I watched that show. That's why I'm like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going to recognize... When I was in the... youth group... What year was that? I guess I was a junior in high school. We went on a um, like winter trip to Gatlinburg, and walking around Gatlinburg, we came up with this idea, and we're like, all right, here's a social experiment. So we had the two tallest dudes in youth group walk around with me and like i had this leather jacket on these leather no. pants i had oh my, my hat no. backwards i've seen, I've seen videos yeah, like yeah, yeah. that where it's like um play the, play the like real theory. justin siegel yeah yeah and so just walking I around and we had girls from the youth group come up to me and they're like oh my gosh can you please take a picture with us it's so cool that we met you blah 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 and we would take a picture mm-hmm. and then over time people that i didn't know started coming to me they're like oh yeah i recognize you and one of the ladies was like oh yeah you're from shake it up chicago so like that narrative spread throughout the like gatlinburg strip throughout the course of that day i was having tweets written about me it was incredible and then me being the the honest person i am i was like hey guys it was a social experiment blah 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 (laughs) and And then i got blocked by a bunch of people 
for those of you that don't know, I was a Scottish Highland dancer. There are so, pictures. There are pictures. I competed. I wore a kilt. I danced over swords. It was phenomenal. So yeah, I was on the news multiple times for that. That's crazy. I, I don't think like I knew to speak that. To my lackadaisical, that's awesome. I don't endorse lies, and so that's why I wasn't about you being. Oh, so, okay. Uh, right. I did. Um, I did the weather when I was five, so that was cool. Really? I was able to like touch the what screen. What does that mean? You did the weather, like you made like, weather. I gave the weather forecast on the news one day, oh, so that was cool. That's pretty cool. Um, and then another memorable time, my high school choir. I'm a choir nerd, and Same. they sang. We sang for like Christmas, and mm-hmm. we were on the news. So yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, I think I was on TV one time. It was like my when I was in first grade. They did like one of those news things at the school. And it was like spotlighting my teacher or something, so I was in that video. You were just were in you the in the background? background? Oh, I was like, it's like coloring. Hey, okay. <laughs> Daniel Green as right. Daniel Green. I think that's, I think that's now Kaylee. You know, Kaylee almost made it on TV though with America's Funniest Videos. Yes, that was. Very oh my close. gosh, I forgot about that. Right, she. Almost, I don't. I don't know what happened with it, but like people AFE had to sign like people had to sign like waivers and stuff to or like to get their face on TV. Like it was a real it thing. Was legit. That's wild. It was at a church event. She like you know she was skating and like did the limbo and like fell backwards it was hilarious was great. so she almost made on america's funniest videos you for a concussion video on the youtube right I'll, you know i'll play it right now is there a video of you getting your face smacked oh, okay next question <laughs> no but i heard that noise when that ball hit your face i heard it i thought it was just a line drive to your head that's why i was like freaking out no. thankfully it the ground absorbed something though at least well no mckenzie sent us pictures he's got a rag on his face smiling but like just blood right here mm-hmm. and i was like he does not look okay right. i was not i was concussed because so yeah I I, she sent that picture to my mom too never have i ever been on a blind date does it have do we have to be involved with like is it a date that we're on yeah did you go on a blind what do you mean never is it a I date ever, you've been on been, yeah like, are you on the blind have you ever been on a blind date ne- yes you're involved i have never been on a blind date oh like, the oh, neely situation uh, um, don't Use the name. Okay, cut that. But uh, I'll, I'll bleep the name. I've out. never the been little on sister a blind, situation. Yes, never been on a blind date by my like as myself. But mm. I had a friend who went on a blind date, and she was super nervous. So mm. a bunch of us went to the restaurant that she was going to. Okay, so you've been a part of. Yes. A, okay, okay, and okay. we ended up actually sitting at the table across. That's a valid the question. Now thinking about it. Yes. Yeah. And so we like walked around every ten minutes, and they saw us. It was amazing. Uh-huh. My favorite part. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, she went out with this like. We all knew he was a goob, and not in a good way. Goob, you know. That's a funny. Goob word. is a nice word. <laughs> I've never been on a blind date, but you know, back in the days when I was a, a single man living in Nashville, um, I was on every dating app known to man. You've mm-hmm. never lived in Nashville, but it's okay. Okay, nobody knows where Murfreesboro <laughs> is. Anyway, I was on every dating app known to man, and um, there were some dates where I wanted to be blind. <laughs> oh my god! So that's the blind date that you're. Doing. Well, here's the thing, nice. dude. I, guys do this too, but like people on dating apps, for some reason, think that they can project themselves mm-hmm. one way with photos yeah. that are clearly clearly not of them, mm-hmm. and then you show up and you're like, yeah, "That's not who I'm." That's not you. Yeah. I'm that guy. <laughs> are you? Yes. What was your dating app like? All right, next question. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. Um, never have I ever re-gifted a gift. 100%. Yes. All the time. I got one sitting in my closet right now for next Christmas. If you don't Mm -hmm. re-gift gifts, you're missing out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, why purchase something? I don't think, I don't just, yeah, that's, that's no question. Yeah. Uh, never have I ever Googled myself. 
hundred percent. Always. Who has I have. I have. Now, it's been a long time, though. I was, like, probably in middle school or something, or maybe freshman in high school. When I was a kid, I Googled myself on our, like, desktop Dell computer. It was, like, this thick. And um, it had AOL dial-up. Anyway, when I would Google myself, there was a Justin Siegel. I want to say he lived in Colorado. He was a track runner. He was, like, five years older than I was. He had, like, all these different medals and stuff. I was like, oh, I want my, like, face to pop up when you type in Justin Siegel. Fast forward. No, it does. Yep. Congratulations. No, I think my name comes up. I was on like some senior recognition when I was in high school, so I think Daniel comes up. Let's so. see. Sorry, Danielle Green, former member of the Victorian Legislature. I saw that. <laughs> yep. I mean, that is me. So, Danielle, you look different in these photos. Indeed, I do. Like one, you have white hair. Yep. The other one, you're a completely different skin color. Yep. Dark hair. I've Speaking of hair, Danielle changed shades. her hair. Danielle recently. has changed her hair. I have, guys. I told her she should do this. This is a crazy cut. story. I don't know if you. No, I don't think you were there. Oh my goodness. So basically, Justine Goad. You know Justine. Uh-huh. Uh, her husband plays with. Kevin I thought on the you were calling team. me Justine for a second. I was like, all right. No, Justine. <laughs> no, Justine. She goes to the church here now. Um, but her husband's on the softball team, so I was at one of the games one night, and she cuts hair. And so I was telling her like, hey, like I want to get my hair cut can I set up an appointment? And she's like, I have my stuff in the car like right now. Like if you want me to cut it and I have pictures Did and I'll show you after game? she cut my hair at the softball. Oh my game. word. I will pop pictures That's on the screen, incredible. but, um, and I'll show y'all pictures after, but like, she like chopped my hair right there at the game. Like Jordan literally like caught all the hair in her hands and why? like put it in the trash. Yeah, can. Why would she do that? I don't know. They'd, I don't know. Oh, the golden locks. Let me touch that beautiful (laughs) hair of yours. It's like the hem of Jesus' Um, garment. So, yeah, I got my hair cut at a softball game. And she did a great job. Like, I love it, too. I love it short. That's a cool thing to do for, like, two truths and a lie. Mm, Right. Had my hair cut at a softball Mm -hmm. game. (laughs) So, yeah, that's that's why. But I really do love it short. I would even love to maybe go even shorter. I don't know. Yes. Kind of experimenting. Bob. But I do love Bob it. Bob and Bangs. We talked about, I mean, Bangs are back for sure. Yes, they are. And I feel like, I don't know, I might. I, might. I can see it's you just, rocking some Bangs. Yeah, I might. It just Maybe takes commitment, though. Time. It yeah. takes commitment, though. And I had Bangs when I was a kid, and it kind of scarred me. Like, bro. Because Bangs Did were you so- cut it, though? I, no, well. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, if you got to yeah. question no. it, yeah. yes. No, because me and Kaylee both had Bangs, though. I definitely did cut my hair at some point, because every child cuts their hair at some point in their life, right? That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Um... But I just hated it. Like, looking back, it's like, oh, it was cute, whatever. But I always make fun of, like, like my mom for, like, making me and Kaylee. Like, McKenna, Kelly, they all had. We all had bangs. It must have just been, like, a phase that everyone went through. Yeah, well, I had a bowl teams. cut as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bowl cuts were pretty big. And then my mom thought it was smart when I was, like, two to just stick my hair straight up. Yeah. Spiky. Didn't you have a mohawk for a while? Did you yeah, ever have a mohawk? I did have a mohawk. I bleached the tips when I was in high school. Yeah, that, that sounds like something you would do. Yeah, well, I <laughs> very badly wanted to be a b-boy, and so mm-hmm. I took inspiration from that. Had like a faux hawk with bangs yeah, yeah. and frosted tips. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just one more question. Never have no I mouse. ever met a celebrity. Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. I have. Multiple yeah. times. Who was yours? Um, I mean, there's... You've met a soccer player recently, right? Yeah, a soccer player. Okay. I've, okay. I, I mean, I've met tons of people throughout my time. I mean, that's not like a big brag, but definitely mm-hmm. you just come in contact with people yeah, yeah. if you if you make those efforts. So mm-hmm. um, it's a cool experience. I think especially here in Nashville too, if you come in contact with celebrities, 
it's kind of the unsaid thing to not really make a huge deal mm-hmm. about it. Right. You kind of let them live their lives and do their thing. Yeah. I get upset when people try to go take pictures because it's mm-hmm. like, hey, they're normal people too. But yeah. it's definitely cool when you kind of have a sighting of a celebrity. You may have a conversation with them. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also cool to see, like, they, they are just a normal person. You know, yeah. they're just a person. Like, you just 100%. have a conversation with them, and it's not, like, some crazy thing. But I know, like, you've done, like, art for a bunch of artists, too, right? Yeah. Like, music artists and stuff. Increasingly so. Mm-hmm. Um, Julia Wolf was probably the first one that I did stuff for. Uh, I follow Danielle Green on social media, so she's my celebrity that I... That nice. I, that's amazing. Well, I was going to say Justin Siegel, mm-hmm. and so... Okay. Hate that. <laughs> Bro, you're literally famous. I don't see myself that way. He's got a lot of followers. He does. I appreciate that you're humble about it, though. Like, I think that's really, you know. I have a lot of... On the cameras, he's being humble, so. I have 1.5 million followers. Mm -hmm. However, that in my mind does not equate to fame. Yeah, I think fame, fame has to do with, like, media exposure, like... Are things written about you? Have you done interviews for yeah, some major? True. Who knows you? Yeah, exactly. Um, who knows you? What have you been featured on? And so I don't put myself in that realm of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why right. I don't like hearing that I'm famous because mm-hmm. I don't believe I am. Um, so we're going to be talking about creativity. Obviously, I think y'all would be perfect. Justin with... Why? Pa- I'm going to explain. Okay. Justin with painting, drawing, uh, video photography. But Kevin with... I know like you love... Um, to write, um, you're very good with words, and you know you are a pastor too, so that comes into play. And um, also, do and you also do photography. Not as good as say. Justin, but yeah, I, I you also do photography, and I have that you definitely have an eye for that, though, well, for sure, and, and video. Yeah. And so I think y'all would just be great. So maybe just start off talking about where y'all's passion for like art and writing and photography kind of came from, and how y'all have grown that. I saw Bob Ross. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I saw Bob Ross live. I don't know where my creativity came from i will say there was a few family members of mine that were super artistic very creative Mm -hmm. um my cousin most notably my cousin josh he would just like sit in the living room during family functions because my mom's whole side of the family would gather together on sundays after church we would eat watch the nascar races don't ask me why Um, (laughs) but he would sit over in the corner on the couch and just take a pen and a napkin and like doodle on things and I wanted to draw like him so bad. So that's my earliest memory of like wanting to do something creative. And then once my Nana saw that I was, um, I was interested in drawing, painting, stuff like that. She bought me this, um, painting set where you like paint flowers with one brush stroke by loading the brush up with different colors. And so that's my earliest memory of painting. Um, excuse me. And, um, I don't know. From then on, just art was a constant part of my development mm-hmm. and in my life. Um, art class was my favorite growing up. Mm-hmm. And Not then, mine. Hmm? Not mine. No? <laughs> no. But this is your turn to talk. Oh, so okay. Finish. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. You, got, you no, loved no, art no. class. Go ahead. All right. So I uh, loved art class. I wanted to go into art school, um, but it didn't seem like... The most, what am I trying to say? Financially stable choice at mm-hmm. the time. You hear about starving artists your whole life growing up. Well, you're not going to go to school to be an artist. And so um, I went to culinary. And then at that time is when I started getting into performance art. Um, I saw a guy named David Garibaldi 
who painted Elvis live on America's Got Talent. And I was like, oh, that's mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. I want to do that. Um, and it kind of combined a few areas of my life that I loved. I did drama in church growing up, mm-hmm. um, dance, love music. And so it kind of just combined all those worlds together into one thing. Mm-hmm. And so obsessed over his stuff for a year while I was in culinary and um, realized culinary was not the thing that I wanted to do, even though this didn't have potential for financial stability at the time, I wanted to pursue it. Um, and so I had my first first performance at a Methodist church. And when I got up to paint, it was towards the end of the service. It was the first time during that service where and I painted Christ upside down, flipped it around. Mm-hmm. Classic. Um, classic it's still on youtube it's awful compared to the stuff that i do 100 uh, percent. yes um anyway you've had a glow up yes i have um <laughs> i mean it was 10 years ago and so god i sound so old so oh, when i flipped oh. it around it was the first point in the church service where there was unscripted praise to mm-hmm. god um and so people started clapping and um i don't know to me, it just seemed like an uproar of worship, mm-hmm. and the whole service was scripted up to that point. And it was at that point that I realized this could be a career and a ministry. Absolutely. Um, and I don't have to say a single word to show people who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And so that's when I started down the art path as far as mm-hmm. a career goes. Yeah. Um, but I have, like, I mentioned culinary. That was, like, my way of thinking, okay, I can monetize my creativity mm-hmm. by baking and pastry and creating food and um and so that's still a passion of mine Mm -hmm. um photography is a passion as i mentioned before i've recently gotten into music production let's go yeah decent at it too yeah um and nobody else is going to hear that that's not getting shared to the public (laughs) or on social media that is just pre-save that is a venture (laughs) for myself Uh um I've sewn things together. I've made clothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like all. if you're crazy. if you're a creative, you are going to make whatever you venture into mm-hmm. a creative venture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. Kevin. Well, obviously, I'm here for the writing portion of our creative <laughs> uh, minds, but um, Which I started is something I'm not good at, by the way. Uh, yeah, I think you're decent at it. I think you're good. I, I appreciate your pity. Um, so I started writing very, I was able to read really young. My mom and dad pushed me uh, when I was in like preschool, kindergarten to start reading. So obviously that kind of translated to maybe not coherent sentences of uh, like well-spelled words and whatnot, but I was able to write at a very young mm-hmm. age. And so I, uh, again, love sports. Sports are one of my favorite things. Go sports ball. Um, and so I always would come up with, in my mind, just like creative, imaginative events and use like real life teams and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I would come up with these random stories uh, that would happen with these two teams. And so I would like begin writing these news articles on like Microsoft Publisher <laughs> or Microsoft Word. I think my mom still has some files uh, on that. But that's kind of where that started, that initial passion. But um, once I realized that art encompasses so much more than mm-hmm. just writing, yeah, uh, I think that opened up the potential to expand my horizons a little Mm, bit beyond just writing. And so, um, like I was able to find more passions other than writing Mm -hmm. because I saw, and I think, and I guess we'll talk about this later too, but, uh, when you are creative, your mind is wired to be that kind of Mm -hmm. creative thinking process. And so 
writing something at Microsoft Publisher, you know, kind of translates to taking a picture in downtown Nashville, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. So um, I think just finding out that I, the, the potential, the possibilities of being a creative in what art can be, I think that just really drove me to want to find out more about what it means to be creative and and what can I do? What can I put my hands to? I love, I love being practical with my hands and using mm-hmm. my hands to create right. things. And so um, that was just a really good way to apply that, that passion. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. You said you read well as a child. It reminded me of like, you know, those reading tests you have to do when you're in school mm-hmm. yeah. to see how fast you can read. Yeah. I failed those miserably and I was supposed to be held back for it. Um, and that translates to even this day. So I'm, I'm glad that you can read because I <laughs> I can read can't. words. I just say, don't I, process I, I say all read. that to say I failed reading. <laughs> it takes me forever to get through a book. I was super self-conscious about mm-hmm. it for a long time. So I definitely peaked in first grade. I'll just let me make it clear. <laughs> right? Like Junie B. Jones, those were my books. And like, oh, but if yeah. you put a big novel in front of it, man, I struggle to read it. So don't feel like I'm some master mm-hmm. reader. Like, I was a big That does make me feel better. Thank you. You were what? I was a big diary. Diary with the kid. Yeah, really? Was, I, yeah. uh, I was I loved Captain. Because it, it was I hated reading, so I loved the little <laughs> graphic parts. Yes, Calvin and Hobbes. And I stuff. Love Calvin. Yeah, Calvin and Hobbes was great. My dad had a Calvin and Hobbes books book that I read. Uh, Captain Underpants was my jam. Nice. Yes, I read those too. Yep, they're good. Wow, we're old. Uh, and then <laughs> the one, the one series that I actually read, read. Well, my mom read it to me when I was going to bed. That's sweet. Um, yeah, it was very sweet. But, like, you had required reading, and you had to pick out books from the library. But it was the Alex Ryder series. I don't know if you remember that. Mm-mm. He was, like, <laughs> he was like a kid version of 007. Oh, okay. I don't think I've ever heard of it either, but it's, I mean, it sounds like It was cool. Uh, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 recommend. I think I yeah. would enjoy it as an adult. So, check it out. Let's go. This is not sponsored. <laughs> not sponsored. <laughs> Um, so why is creativity so powerful? Like, what has that meant? I mean, I know, like, Justin, that's what you do for a living now. But, like, what has that meant to you? I wouldn't say that I do creativity for a living, but I would say that I am creative for a living. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think creativity is so powerful because at our essence, um, whether you are a Christian or you believe in any other faith-based structure, Uh, I think at our core, we were created, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are a product at our very first moments of being a being um, was sparked with creativity um, from the divine. And so I think that's why it's so powerful because it gets to our core and the divine fingerprint on our lives. Um, And so when we are creative, it is able to tap into that essence that's in all of us mm-hmm. um i hate it when people are like i'm not creative because i think that's bogus mm-hmm. i think yeah. everybody is creative i think it looks differently for everybody you're taking yeah. my notes okay um <laughs> and so anyway it gets to the essence of who each and every human being is um and so when we're creative we're tapping into that but also we're able to connect to something that ties us all together which is creativity um Mm -hmm. it's a common denominator between all human beings i believe yeah Yeah. no that's so good um when i was thinking about this uh the first thing that came to my mind was creativity brings the world into a new perspective right Mm -hmm. you know a lot of things no that's good that's crazy let's go that's in this book that's that's so crazy um not sponsored i mean like a lot of we'll get to that later but a lot of the stuff that we come in contact with in our world it's just very black and white right Mm -hmm. it's just 
And when, when you think of things of this world in a creative mindset, the possibilities of what it is or what you can make it out to be, I mm-hmm. mean, they just become endless. Mm-hmm. And I, I just enjoy, um, I mean, a practical example I, I can think of is when Justin and I will go shoot pictures downtown, I may look at something and think this has no potential whatsoever, mm-hmm. but Justin's like, hey, let me get this picture here. Right, let me get right. this perspective. And so uh, it allows you to see the world in different ways. Mm-hmm. And, um I also think too, a picture is worth a thousand words. You know, you, you hear mm-hmm. that statement all the time, but genuinely, somebody can look at a picture and you can tell a whole story with that mm-hmm. kind of picture too. And uh, the beauty of that, I just, it blows my mind that mm-hmm. you can communicate in mm-hmm. such a way. Um, I think a lot of times we lose that that beauty of creativity in this day and age of social media. I'm not a boomer who hates social media, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times it's just, this is what we're doing. We see all the mm-hmm. highlights of people's lives and we don't yeah. really get the full story of yeah. what's happening. And so to be able to kind of change that and see if I take a picture of downtown Nashville when it's cloudy, you know, I want to paint a picture of what the story of that day was, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other big thing of creativity is what I put here as well. It provides an avenue for people to feel like they belong or mm-hmm. that they have purpose and direction where they may not find that somewhere else you know um i think we're all creatives here if you're listening to this podcast maybe you're a creative too um i think i can safely say in this room creatives are weird they're weird people they have weird minds they think weird ways Mm -hmm. and a lot of times when they try to fit in when we try to fit in certain places or certain groups or Mm -hmm. areas it's very hard because we don't think like those people do and so Pursuing an avenue of creativity allows you to kind of fit in in the places that you want to. And if you can't fit in where you're maybe trying, you have other avenues to, to pursue mm-hmm. or you're able to make your own avenue. And I think that's just the options are endless. Mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just a beautiful thing about that. Right. I, I like that you said that creativity can involve you fitting in somewhere where you belong and also creating your own avenue. Because I think a lot of creatives get stuck with, oh, I have to be so unique and so different and I can never fit in anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the reality of it is there's there's common denominators between us all. There's differences between us all. Um, and finding places where both of those are accepted is huge. Mm-hmm. Well, and uh, not to beat a dead horse with this question, but I think creativity is such a beautiful thing that it's it's a good getaway to, to escape, you know, whether it's your problems mm-hmm. or... You just need to get away from work for a right. for a little bit to get know? away or to express. Um, mm-hmm. I, when when COVID happened and everything shut down, you know, uh, Justin and I we lived pretty close to each other in our apartment complex, and there'd be days we'd say, "Hey, that was back when people could still go outside and it was acceptable somewhat." Mm-hmm. Like we would say, "Hey, like you want to go to Nashville and just take a couple of pictures, or mm-hmm. you want to go do this, you want to go do that." And it was just because we needed to get out of the apartment. We needed an mm-hmm. avenue to escape. And creativity was a beautiful way to do Absolutely. that. And so uh, the options are, I could go on and on about mm-hmm. this, but like the options are endless when yeah. it comes to creativity. And I think that's the beautiful thing about that. Um, okay, so I'm reading this book. It's called All That Is Made, A Guide to Faith and Creative Life. But um, Why'd you say it like that? I just think <laughs> it's funny like Blink that. Blink twice if you're okay and you're not being forced to read this book. 
Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> is this today's um, sponsor? <laughs> so, and this is kind of playing off of, um, I think Justin said, expressing yourself through, through art, through through writing. Um, a line in this book, it says, it is creatives that both give voice to our suffering and imagine a world in which it is not wasted. So I kind of just want to talk about that line, about, um, I mean, expressing our emotions using, but like using our suffering, our pain, a season of life that we're going through, whatever, to, you know, show that the good can come out of it. And even like raising awareness or just making something beautiful out of, out of a time of suffering. Um, if there's just any anything y'all want to say about that i got a lot to say about that but you can go ahead first yeah i mean i think in since i stole your points last time again i'm i'm not trying to sound like a boomer over here but like in today's society where social media you're able to put your opinion out very Mm -hmm. easily um i think you see that a lot right you know somebody wants to make an opinion about something happening in the world they're going to post a tweet or they're going to post an instagram post or um, I've done, I've been guilty of this, post some novel, do you say post a tweet or do you say tweet, tweet, sorry, tweet a tweet, Twitter often, so, um, or like I, I've been, I've definitely done this before, make some long Facebook posts, you know, that maybe mm-hmm. five people read it's like, it's just <laughs> a thing, right? Um, that's how we, when we are suffering, we express that we are mm-hmm. suffering. Mm-hmm. We want to express to people, um, that as humans, whether you're a creative, you classify yourself as a creative or not, that's how we have begun to express that we're suffering in some way. Mm-hmm. Is let's let's put it out all on social media right. so we can see that. And so I think in a sense, right, that's um, creativity has given us that way to suffer. Uh, another example I think of, Justin and I, we went to Louisville uh, to see some friends a while back, and there's an art museum there. And while we were there... There was a bunch of pieces uh, that artists had made that were dealing with specific situations or times in history uh, of suffering. So maybe mm-hmm. like the civil rights movement or whatnot. And like these pieces of art painted a picture uh, of of what that movement meant to that artist mm-hmm. and kind of expressed that suffering. Yeah. Um, and, and I think also probably more practical experience in my life. Uh, the Nashville school shooting. Um, when that happened, there was a picture that was posted by a local newspaper of a girl with her hand on the school bus, like absolutely just screaming for her dear life. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the purpose behind that, although I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of that picture, the purpose behind that was so that when Justin saw that picture or read that newspaper article, he was able to embody that suffering and, and feel mm-hmm. that suffering as well. Um, and so... You know, these the the pieces that we write or the 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 paintings that we can paint, they're able to encompass the suffering that we're 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 facing. Um, and then also, I think I also put here too. The the adding on to the point of um, where this suffering is not wasted in your creativity you're able to paint a picture of optimism to the people mm-hmm. that are seeing your pieces and so right. um you may be able to say hey this the situation that we're going through this thing that we're dealing with it may not be great but you know look on the bright side there's a silver lining there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a thing you can look towards uh in in work for mm-hmm. uh and you're able to provide hope to somebody yeah. and i think that's creativity and creation whether it be writing it be painting it be taking pictures whatever i think that's that's a beautiful thing is yes you can show suffering but you can also provide hope in that same time and know that 
your suffering that you're going through, yes, it may be terrible, but no, it's not in vain. There's 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 hope behind all of this that you're going mm-hmm. through. To his point about social media giving us an outlet to be able to creatively express our suffering, I used to be so hard on people that would post about their breakups or post sad stuff after their breakups. Mm-hmm. I like, mean, I'm not a fan of that. So sub, like, subtweet I, what? Don't do it. Sub, <laughs> mm, I, I disagree. Or subtweet via songs. Here's the thing, though. Like, who's to say you can't express those things the way that you wish to? Mm. Um, you see artists all throughout history that paint paintings that depict um, a breakup or their ex burning at the stakes or... Um, mm. Or like they change paintings that they painted of those two together to just like an empowering piece of them. And so, um, and everybody knew it and it was, it was shown to the public. And so I think social media has made it more widespread for your suffering to go out into the world. And if that's your way of feeling at ease because you've been able to express that, who am I to say you can't do that? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm, I'm less against it. Do would I do it personally? I have. Um, I don't know that I would now, mm-hmm. but if that is your your way of expressing yourself, I say go ahead and do it. Um, I have had many experiences um, portraying my suffering through creativity, whether that is subtweeting because I went through a breakup in high school. I once stated to my therapist, I'm like, I feel like I'm more attracted to art that expresses the dark parts of the human experience more Mm -hmm. so than the light parts of the human experience. And I don't know why that is. And I don't know how widely accepted that is um, by other people. But to me, the things that a lot of people are comfortable hiding when people are able to express that and express that through creative ways, Mm -hmm. there's something so attractive to that about, or something so attractive to me about that. Because I think there was a question posed in one of my um, graduate classes of what is the point of suffering? And one of my professors said, I don't know that I can give you an answer to, to why we suffer. But what I can say is I have come to realize that through our suffering, it helps build community. Mm -hmm. It helps people to be able to tie their hearts to one another. Yeah. um, That's so good. In a way that you can't really do so without suffering um and so i don't know i think that's why i'm drawn to stuff like that because Mm -hmm. i find myself my heart connecting the most to the intimate parts of someone else's heart who has created something through Mm -hmm. their suffering um two pieces come to mind that i've personally done um as an expression of suffering and the one did not see the light of day for years um until the dust settled from that experience and i healed a lot from it but um when I was in this super toxic relationship in college, I was home on Christmas break and um, had a really, really bad phone call um, with the girl that I was dating at the time. And she was very manipulative, um, very narcissistic, incredibly toxic, and to the point where it started driving a wedge between me and my family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a conversation where I was trying to stand my ground and she was just constantly berating me mm-hmm. over the phone. Um, I didn't know what to do. I felt my mind breaking in that moment. And so I ended the call. I went to the kitchen and I just sat on the floor and started crying 
my sister came in and saw me and didn't know what to say, didn't know what to do, gave me a hug, and I knew that I couldn't stay stationary. So I went out into the garage, and typically my outlet was something physical, like going on a run or going to work out. Um, but at that time, I saw a roll of canvas that I had left over from the last time I was home and a couple of paints, red and black, um, in the corner and one brush. That was it. Because mm-hmm. I don't typically paint when I'm at my parents' house, um, but I had materials there. And so for the first time in my life, I did something without a plan mm-hmm. and I hung up the canvas and I started painting. Um, and I just started painting brush strokes and through those brush strokes, I started to see a face. And so I painted this face that actually depicted in the end, the agony that I was feeling at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when people look at that piece, it grips their attention. Like yeah. I've created pieces that I think are absolutely beautiful and technically good. This piece is not that at all. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a mess of, of brush strokes. Right. And, um, and I mean, I created it probably in a matter of minutes, unlike the, the paintings that I practiced to do in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, but this piece stops people in their tracks and they have questions about it immediately. And I think I think pieces like that connect to the heart strings more so than a piece where I've planned it out and mm-hmm. um, I've, I've done so much work to make it look a certain way. This was just raw emotion that was mm-hmm. splattered onto the canvas. Well, there's a sense of empathy in creation. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people see that, they see that piece and say, man, I know what you're going through and you're almost they're almost able to help console mm-hmm. you in those right. moments but you may be able to help console them and share your experiences together because you have i think you said it yourself like you that you connects you it bonds you with those things um and that empathy there's there's power behind that to be able to allow each other to heal whatever whatever mm-hmm. you're going through i think it's a beautiful thing well, i think transparency equals intimacy um and so when you're able to be transparent like that through your artwork, mm-hmm. it automatically creates um, a connection on a deeper level with whatever human being you're interacting with in that piece. Mm-hmm. That's so good. And one thing that stuck out to me was whenever you said um, going through suffering, but like finding community mm-hmm. within that. I think that, and that's something I've heard a lot recently. And like this past year's kind of been hard for me but like through all of that like finding a really cool community of just people and really growing closer to like friends and and family and and mentors and stuff that like you know it it truly helps you get through that season of your life and so I I thought that was really good I think the biggest lie that we can be fed is that nobody else can understand what you're going through Mm -hmm. um and sometimes that in itself will isolate us oh nobody will understand Mm -hmm. but you're not willing to talk to anybody to realize that you are not alone Mm -hmm. and maybe they've been through it or maybe they've been through a parallel event Mm -hmm. that they have experienced the same amount of suffering yeah through and to your comment danielle too like that's life right Mm -hmm. we are meant to do life with each other Mm -hmm. you know plug for life groups plug for (laughs) (laughs) um but genuinely i mean not not to be euphemistic here and and be really corny about it but Mm -hmm. uh, whether you believe on a biblical standpoint or you, you're on the opposite side. Or anywhere in between. Anywhere in between, too. You know, there there is a universal belief that we're supposed to do life with each other. You know, we, we are humans. We, there is, we are wired to have communion with each other yes. and, and be in 
in the presence of other people. And uh, when you begin to um, you lean into that, especially in your suffering, mm-hmm. uh, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, that's that's what we're called to do. That's what we're supposed Absolutely. to do. Um, I just I just realized I lost my point kind of so I had to like tie it back up. No, it was good. You tied it up well, and <laughs> no, it sparked it something that I've never thought about before. Um, the the fact that like so today in the news you don't hear a lot about big communities you hear a lot about individuals a lot of celebrities a lot of people who are doing mm-hmm. things when you study history you hear a lot about um, individuals that have done amazing things when you think about American history right but when we look at cultures in the past individuals don't really stick out unless it's something like a king or a pharaoh or something mm-hmm. like that we study communities and their artwork whether it's cave paintings or um carvings on the side of buildings or in Mm -hmm. caves it's like everything was so communal Mm -hmm. um and so much of the responsibilities of day-to-day life is put on an individual now um i don't know i never thought about that before though like in the past they had Mm -hmm. a lot better of a grip that community is important yeah than we do now just because we can doesn't mean it's beneficial Mm -hmm. yeah well and then trying to go through like you know my suffering alone it's like i'm one y'all i'm sure y'all very much know i don't like talking about my emotions very much bottle everything up okay okay no but like whenever i started to open up about like you know my life what was going through my head like it brought me so much freedom just to like talk to someone and it happened like oh people have gone through breakups people have gone through you know transition and that you know and talking to people and it really brought me so much freedom. So well, when it stays in your head, there's so much room for you to distort it, or right. for your brain to distort mm-hmm. it. Listen, for me to think listen, I'm, I'm preaching my to problem. myself as well. Mm-hmm. I understand Kevin Morrison stuff looking at me like that. There's so much room for your brain to distort things and to make it not what it actually is. Mm-hmm. So the moment that it gets out of your head, through your mouth and into the ears of somebody else that can help right. kind of straighten out the pieces. Um, he's going to hate that I say this, but Brian Spatz, uh, he's one of my mentors. Mm-hmm. Um, he has done such a good job through my suffering in the past few years of me communicating to him, him being one of the only people I've been able to communicate things to. And he like helps straighten out the distortions that mm-hmm. my brain have created. It in perspective. Yeah. It, it's huge. It's yeah, huge. Absolutely. So I'll run or read another little excerpt from this book. It's basically just a paragraph. And then at the end, it has some questions that I think would be really cool for us to break down. Um, it says, how did we get from creator to creative? The word creator is familiar to our tongues. The maker of something, the one responsible, the origin. Creative is less recognizable, changing, taking on a different meaning in our world today. We no longer discuss whether or not someone has a creative trait or characteristic. And instead, we wonder if someone has enough of that ability to use it as an identity. But who or what determines whether we are a creative or not? Is it our job title, how much we produce, how often we create? And are we still creative when we are not creating? So I think it just kind of goes back to identity. Um, So I think the first question we could hit on is um, who or what determines whether we are creative or not? Can I take this one first? Yeah, go ahead. If you take my notes, I can be really, really upset. (laughs) Okay, listen. Um, I used to wonder on that question a lot. And then a couple years back, I read a book called Pursuing Christ, Creating Art by Gary Molander. Dang right, I did. Um, it's, it's a book I would suggest to anybody, anybody and everybody, because, again, I think everybody is creative. And I think the narrative that, um, that 
that book was describing, which is what is the measure of creativity um, to make you a creative? I think that's something that our social structure has put on us. But the thing that Gary presents is there's a difference between creative and artist. Everybody is creative. Not everybody creates art. So what he suggests is creativity is when you fill a void with yourself. Um, and everybody does that. You do that by your existence. And this is something that I've been preaching for a while, which is creativity is your life. Um, it is the life that you live. And so um, that is how I define it, which again encompasses everybody because everybody can fill a void with themselves, um, whatever that looks like. Uh, maybe it's accounting. Maybe it's painting. If it's accounting, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but but no, listen, listen if, without any accountants, there's a huge void in our society. And so, But accountants um, don't like their life. So yeah, anyway. Some, some sorry, I didn't mean do, to interrupt. I, I just guess. felt like that needed no, to be said. That was a good interruption. That was a good interruption. Um, anyway, so that's that's my definition. I don't, I don't think there's a mark that you hit um, or a number that you hit of like, oh yeah, they're creative. No, I think everybody is creative. Um, but not everybody is an artist. Yeah, so I, in thinking about this question, something that really came to mind for me was uh, you find, it kind of, it's kind of similar to your thoughts, but it honestly, I feel like kind of contradicts what you just said a little bit, so Ooh, sorry. Let's hear it. Um, let's you find your identity as a creator or as a creative through yourself and only yourself like nobody can put that label on you nobody sounds pretty new age um i know right uh nobody can determine whether that is that is you or not only you can decide whether you want to be uh somebody who is labeled as uh creative i mean yes you can kind of you create things whether it's art that's maybe uh your personal opinion i guess but um if you think it's beautiful and you think it's art, that's what that's all that matters, right? That's uh, that's what classifies you as being a creative. Um, I put in my notes. Uh, I think of the movie Ratatouille and there their famous is. saying, "Everyone, God, I love Ratatouille. everyone can cook," right? You know, but like you take a rat who's not supposed to cook, and here he is making some of the best dishes uh, in Paris. And I, or I, I saw a rat carrying a piece of pizza crust in in New York when I was there. And I was like, there he is. Ratatouille. Remy, Remy. My man. Remy's making his American. <laughs> Remy's. He's about, to, he's about to chop it up. Remy's make some making his crumbs. American state tour. But no, I just think like anybody can do it, right? I mean, granted, I think there's probably a general opinion of what gets created. I mean, if it's just a stick figure, you know, maybe that's not the best looking thing. But if you think that's great, then that's what right. you find fulfillment and satisfaction in. And I think it's then you're able to label yourself as creative and nobody can take that away from you. Um, and go ahead. I was going to say, because of the stick figure thing, I remember the funnest game I played when I was in middle school was this stick figure game. Um, I think it was called stick man. It was on addictinggames.com. I love that game. That's it good. was so much fun. Not anyway, an sponsor. So I think a stick man can be very, very creative. Uh, and to kind of, I'll, I'll, wrap my thoughts up on this. Justin and I have had this conversation many of times, um, especially when we were working at the church and tag teaming on creative things and whatnot. I, 
I think to kind of address your question about are we creating or are we still creative when we're creating or not creating or what does that classify or, you know, who gives that title? I think when it starts to feel more like a job and it loses its fun, it loses its luster and its passion, that's when it, that's when that title of creative kind of starts um, getting taken away a little bit. Uh, we, we definitely had multiple conversations when both of us were pressed and especially like his painting side of things as well. You know, he, I don't want to speak for yourself, but I just remember vividly having conversations with you about, say I've shared um, like where you felt like it was more of a job or you felt like this was your source of income. And like, this mm-hmm. is, you, and you lost that passion. You lost that, that itch for being creative because there were other things that were pressing other factors that were really uh playing a part of why you were making why you're making and so i think when it loses that's fun when it loses that fun it becomes a title uh there's that saying uh love what you do and you never work a day in your life you know when it becomes not your passion anymore then i think that's when you lose all that that idea of being creative i don't think can I push back on that for a little bit? Sure, go ahead. I don't think you cease to be creative or you lose your yeah, creativity. No. I think, and again, this drives from my um, definition, so I have an understanding that we have a different perspective when it comes to this, but it ceases to be art when you put it into the world, when it sucks you dry of life, and instead of fueling you, it depletes you. Um, I think creating art should fuel you. Um, so the moment it starts to deplete you and you see it as a job, um, is the moment it ceases to be art, but not creativity. I think you can still be creative and fit within a box. You can be creative and make content, um, but you can't create art for an algorithm. Well, and not to sabotage your question here, Danielle, but maybe the question to be asked is why are you being creative? Are you being creative because you're getting financial compensation for it you're getting a paycheck or are you being creative because you want to be creative and uh, even if you are getting a paycheck like you're you make a great point you know you don't cease being creative you don't cease being a creator um whether you're doing it for a job or for fun but i think it's why are you being creative is the question that you have to be you have to ask yourself Mm -hmm. um and, and it's there where maybe you find even more fulfillment knowing that this is my getaway this is my escape you know my my paradise that i can find fulfillment in um instead of I'm required to do this to put food on the table or, you know, whatever. I think that's the, that's the question you have to ask yourself sometimes. Yeah. The amount of partnerships and sponsorships that I've turned (laughs) down that I could have easily done, but I would have felt like it was a drag to complete them because it kind of goes against not like morally, but it goes against my creative ventures. And so it would not have been fun to do. I've turned those down um, and sought out opportunities that align more with what I want to do as an artist and as a creative um, for that exact reason that you stated. Any thoughts you want to add? Yeah. Um, One of my favorite things that y'all said was, you know, when talking about being creative, but like doing it as a job, like making a living, doing art, doing, you know, photography, like whatever it is. Um, But when it becomes more of a job than a passion Um, and I don't know. Would you guys say that there needs to be a balance there as far as like making sure that you don't get burnt out? Like when it, when it is your job and you're doing it so much, making sure that it still becomes, it's still a passion and not just a job that you have to do every day. Uh, you should definitely seek that balance, but whether or not it's 
attainable, that's that's a that's a difficult thing. Put your hand down. Hi, Diane. I'm Justin. <clears throat> I think, I mean, that kind of what you said, Danielle. It's very difficult to find that balance, and you do receive that burnout when. Um, the text message really threw me off. Uh, you really, you really do receive that burnout because you're creating, and you almost feel like it's an obligation. You're not able to use that creation for an escape. And I think that's, I feel like we could all say we'd want to find a balance, <laughs> but it's more practical. Practically, it's easier thought of, but when you put it into practice, it's it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard. The balance. I mean, I would say that I experienced burnout when I worked for the church, and it was because I was no longer creating things that aligned with my creative heart, and um, it 100% was all content and no art, Um, and so then when I became a full-time artist, of course you have to make a living, of course you have to monetize your stuff, and so... I created a system where I thought I found a balance of creating what my audience wanted to see as a day job and then using my off time to create out of myself. Um, And like Kevin said, that looked really doable on paper, but once I put it into practice, it wasn't wasn't too feasible. So um, if you are an artist, if you're a creator and that is your your full-time job. I think you have to find a balance, but man, it's, it's so hard. So I would, at this stage of the game, what I would tell people is the world needs your art. And so if it comes to sacrificing, I hesitant to say this, if it comes to sacrificing financial stability, or sacrificing your happiness for financial stability, um, I would I would sacrifice the financial stability and and find happiness and enjoyment and fulfillment because again I think when you create art and art that comes from yourself and not for content it's going to fill you. Um, I think you can find a balance, but I'd say to me at this stage of the game having wealth doesn't equal financial stability necessarily. I think it's important to have financial stability. I'm not saying that you should not be financially stable. Um, but I think what I've realized is wealth to me looks like having a choice of what I do with my time and what I get to create. Um, and so hopefully you find your audience because they're out there. You find your audience that connects with your art and not your content. Um, instead of trying to conform yourself to your audience, I hope you find people that would gladly help fuel your your creative endeavors that you want to undertake. Well, and I'll finish the, the question on this one, I guess. Uh, it's so easy to want to take this passion that you have and this desire to do these things and really man, I want to do this for a living. I want to, I want to work and earn wage for this. You know, like this, if I could do this rest of my life and this is what I do as a job, I, that's great. You know, I would love that. And you come to this fine line of, okay, I realize I'm pursuing this, but also 
I realize I run the risk of this could become really ugly and I might lose my love for this and my passion for this. And so they're just things you have to consider at that point of, um, you know, is it worth kind of like what Justin says, is it worth sacrificing my happiness knowing that I'm financially stable or worth sacrificing my enjoyment of doing these things, writing or painting or taking pictures or whatever? Is it worth sacrificing those things for whatever I am sacrificing it for? And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. And that's the age old question, I guess. No, and I I think something we've danced around is within that happiness belt is mental health. And are you in a good mental health state in whatever system you're in and whatever balance you've found as a creative, um, I'd say finding happiness also is included in that finding mental stability. Um, because a lot of people will maybe not burn themselves out, but wear their minds down to the point where it affects their relationships. It affects their home life. Um, because they're doing something that they hate and they're taking it out on everybody around them. Um, and so I think, I think more than just finding happiness within yourself, creating a healthy environment within your mind that also creates a healthy environment for those around you, super important. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that kind of came to my mind when Justin was speaking, kind of like happiness versus financial stability, one thing I've learned is if we put our mental health first, we put ourselves first in that aspect, um, like the rest will be provided for us. So instead of just focusing on like working and making money, like putting yourself first um, you know, God's going to provide, he's going to take care of us. And that's not to say like be lazy and don't get a job, but God will provide. He cares for us. If we're putting, um, if we are strong and we are healthy, he will provide for us. Again, I hate to even, um, hate's probably not their word. I hate, I dislike that this, I'm going to say it like this, I guess, but that's biblical, right? You know, mm-hmm. there, the psalmist talks about, you know, you align your ways with the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart, you know, and even in that same thought, Proverbs talks about, you know, uh, commit your ways to the Lord and he'll guide your steps, you know, so it's, again, this is for another podcast for another day too, but, you know, when you begin to, Paul talks about more of him and less of me, when you relinquish yourself you, you begin to find more fulfillment because God, you're leaving more room for God to fill you up in those things. Um, and it kind of goes on to what we'll probably talk about here in a second, but these things that he's giving you, this creative mind, these passions, when he's filling you up with that, you know, uh, you find more happiness and fulfillment. And like you said, everything's kind of taken care of from there. And it's because we're taking that perspective that he's, he's giving us, uh, not necessarily this worldly perspective of, trying to find fulfillment and like Justin talked about, you know, in, in likes or money or whatever. There's a reason what you do is fueling to you. And I think that goes back to God as well. Like you have been divinely fingerprinted with this creative. I was going to say that mindset, this, <laughs> this creative energy. And I, I think when you cease to do that, it drains your, your life force. Um, because it separates you from from your divine creative Mm -hmm. journey so yeah we've already talked about this a little bit but yeah just kind of wrapping up how do we glorify god through our creativity the creator how are we going to glorify him using what he's given us do you want to go first you want me to go first? i think i went first on the last one okay um so i think most importantly uh, if your creation points people to him right if that's Mm -hmm. 
if what you're making, what you're doing, what you're writing, if that is pointing people to him, if people are able to see the beautiful story of the gospel and they're able to see who God is truly, uh, I think a lot of times in our world today, we get a misconception of who God is. And if you're able in your creation to be able to show people who that, who God truly is, I think that's probably the most important way you can glorify him. Um, I put also here, God was the, this is really trendy, Justin. God was the first creative and creator, you know, like he was the, well, it's like I said that in a less cheap I know, way. He was the OG, right? Um, and so when you are able to imitate him by being a creative yourself, you know, I mean, and that, that's not to say that people who aren't creatives, aren't pointing people and glorifying, you know, God through what they do. Um, but when you're able to imitate him in such a way, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, as a creative, you gain appreciation of creation, right? You know, you go and do things, you take pictures of things, you're able to see like, wow, God had his hand on this. God did this, you know, and you're able just to really take it all in. A lot of times in our rushed world, it's very easy to kind of miss things, miss a sunset or miss, miss this forest that's on the side of the interstate, you know, like whatever. Um, and that was a very specific example. Um, but I think when you're able to kind of take a step back and think creatively and see the beauty in what is around us, um, I think in and of itself in your personal life that glorifies God. Um, and then kind of what we talked about too, as a creative, our minds are wired, you know, certain ways. And it's it's the way God made us. It's the way God intended us to be. Uh, he's given us gifts and he's given us passions. Um, and so when we are creative you know, we're able to be good stewards of that. And that's a very important thing to do, right? You know, taking the talents, taking the gifts and the passions that God has given us and being good stewards of that um, and using that for his purpose, for his glory. And I don't want to try to get too churchy in this, but like, that's, that's what it boils down to. Um, when for, you, hold on, one more question. I have one more point. Sorry. And this is the last thing I had is when, when you see what you do as an offering and a calling, uh, I think that's when you begin to glorify God through your creation. Um, you're giving what you have, you're giving your time, you're giving your talents, you're giving everything through your creation. And when you see it as an offering and a gift, uh, I think, I can't help but think that God's up in heaven and just just smiling, being proud of, of what you're doing. And um, I, I think those are good ways to glorify God through that. I'm getting made fun of over here for the listeners. <laughs> no, I am losing focus. I was just going to say um, what you had to say about being a good steward is very good. I was just going to make a note for anybody out there who is unfamiliar with churchy language. Yeah, um, if I can just bring that to um, kind of a normal language, it's taking ownership over the creativity that God's given you and over your talents, over your gifts, taking ownership over that and being responsible for it. It's um, like picking up trash and taking care of the earth. Like yeah, the man. earth's been given to us. And so we're going to take up the trash. <laughs> yeah. Facts. Um, and so not just sitting on the couch and letting that wither away um, and, and like actually exercising it. There was a, I don't quite agree with this term, but I'm going to use it as an example. Someone said, um, I'd rather burn out than rust out. I think there's some truth to that. I don't think you need to just sit in a driveway. If you're a car, sit in a driveway and let yourself rust out. You need to exercise your motor. You need to exercise your, your talents, your gifts, your creativity. Um, and so be a good steward of that means take responsibility and, and utilize it well. And I think with that too, 
when you're not, say you want to be a creative and you want to do it as a job, you know, or when you're not taking the time to be creative or you're not in a position uh, as an occupation to do that kind of stuff, finding those avenues, excuse me, to be able to be creative. Again, you kind of said not like sitting on the couch doing nothing, but finding, being intentional to find avenues of creation, knowing that these are gifts and talents and passions that you've been given and, and utilizing them in ways, even though you may be not given a specific opportunity to do so. I... <clears throat> you made a lot of good points. I do disagree with one of your points, though, which I would have said the same thing a few years back, which is to glorify God is to win your creativity points back to God. Um, I would disagree with that now. And I would say creativity glorifies God when you create, put that into the world. I don't think it has to directly point to God. There's secular art all throughout the Bible. Um, you look at the way people decorated clothing for the king, um, pillars for these giant, um, what am I trying to say, temples and stuff. Um, and some of them were for political temples. They weren't for uh, spiritual temples. And so you see secular art represented in the Bible. Um, but I would say if you create and you fill a void with yourself, whatever you put into the world, if it points back to your life, which it does because it's an extension of you, um, if your life is reflective of the divine, reflective of God, I think that in turn glorifies God. So I would say the best way we can glorify God through our artwork is just by being who we are and putting that into the world. Um, and if your life is reflective of that, then then it's going to point back to you. So in a sense, isn't that using your work pointing people back? To, if it's pointing back to you and you point people to God, isn't your work technically? Yes, but again, I would push back on what you said. Not directly, but right. Uh, I would push back on what you said because that right. that translates to your work has to directly be Christian. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's I never said necess- that. No, no, no. no. But what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is that could be the that could be the assumption made. Um, that's fair. And so. To make the distinction there, you can create secular art that can point back to your life. And if your life points back to who God is, I think that is glorifying God through your art. I'll add another caveat to that, and not that we're about to fight here on a podcast, but or argue. I just think you have to be careful in general who that ends up pointing, who what your creation, who that influences, and how it influences them, and where it points to, what direction it points them to. Um, it may not necessarily point them to God. It may not point them in a certain place that is heavenly or divine, but if it points them to it in a direction where they're not able to be able to see God in those moments, um, I think that, I'm not saying you have to stop doing what you're doing, but in a sense, I feel like you have to kind of reflect a little bit and say, all right, if this is what I truly want to do, I'm not necessarily having to create this Christian peace or whatnot, but if people aren't seeing God at all through any of this, then, then what do, what, if this is what I want to do, then I need to reevaluate. Does that make sense? I think that, that that's not totally shooting down your point, I feel like, but I feel like it's adding on, I guess, in a sense. Sure. I, I think, 
there's a quote i forget who said it it's it's not our job um to save people right like we're not christ we don't follow through on that what we do is we create the opportunities for people to come to know who christ is and if you're a christian then that is kind of the belief set um and that kind of works against a traditional understanding of what evangelism is that you're responsible for letting them know and then also following through with them to make sure that they say the sinner's prayer um but i think it's more so a thing of like open up the opportunity show them who christ is because you're reflective of that um and then allow god to do the work in them don't try to like be a helicopter parent over over yeah. them and force it down their throat because that just ends up putting a bad taste in their mouth and we've, we've and, seen that doesn't work at any yeah exactly like that, well it's not a strategy anymore and our god has given us um careful <laughs> no 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 hold on hold on, hold on. Let, me, let me make sure i got this correctly because that just threw me off our god has given us um what what am i trying to say free, free choice free will free will is the word that i was looking for free will and so if we're reflective of that God that's given us free will, then we're not in control of someone's salvation, nor should we try to manipulate it. Um, and so, yeah, I think that goes to that. Yeah, I agree with all of that. <laughs> if you married the two together, then I think we're good. <laughs> right, like your art doesn't have to reflect God. You don't have to paint a cross every day. Yeah, you don't have to paint a cross every day. Just reflecting who he is. You don't have to shove it down anybody's throat, but... It's also just stewarding those gifts well. Like he's given us those gifts. We have to steward That's them it. Well. That's what I was trying to get well, at. I think there's a guy I follow on Twitter. He covers the soccer team here in Nashville, and I love his stuff. I love his content. Um, it wasn't until recently that I realized that he was a, like, a believer. He followed Jesus. He was a Christian. And I can kind of see where his lifestyle— I, I, And if I was not a believer, if I was not a Christian, then I can see, like, man, this— this guy follows, he's a Christian, he claims Jesus, you know, and, and throughout his producing of content, of of sharing stories of the team and whatnot, if I'm able to see that he is a part of that, maybe I link my appeal for what he produces to inquiring about who Jesus is and, and what's that about. And I think that's kind of the point you were making was, it doesn't necessarily be about Jesus, but <clears throat> if you can point people to him, through your lifestyle and through your association of what you create, then I think in a sense you're fulfilling that too. Um, when so. I think through your process and your journey with faith as well, I think it's too often we get stuck in this thing of like, oh, I have to perfectly represent who Christ is to the world. And then you're putting on a facade and you're not showing them the dark moments in your life and the moments where you're questioning things and, and wrestling with stuff. And so I think in that wrestling too, it's important for people to see and and so that's why I said also that like putting your human experience out into the world is important um, because too many times I've heard people say, I'm not good enough to be a Christian. And that breaks my heart because none of us are good enough. All of us have, have faults. All of us um, fall short of things. I, I've become a fan of the definition of sin is missing the mark. Um, and so all of us miss the mark. All of us fail. All of us sin. And so by hiding that and making a, ourselves look so good and like we represent Christ perfectly every single day is fake. Um, and I, I don't think that's doing anybody any favors. Well, it goes back to our conversation earlier of suffering in 
and allowing people to walk through suffering together and realizing that Justin goes through similar things that I go through and I know he's a Christian, I know he loves Jesus, and the fact that he goes through those things makes me feel better and, and know that I don't have to have all my stuff together before I can pursue who what Jesus is or explore this idea of what being a Christian is. And I think you kind of tie it all together. I think that's a, a good perspective to look at it is, um, yeah. I think it's a great perspective. Well, that's all I have as far as questions go. No more questions. That's all, folks. Yeah, but thank you guys for watching. And Kevin and Justin, thank you so much for driving to Murfreesboro to be here to have a conversation. Ah, okay. I was about to be like sentimental. Danielle, it was an honor being here and having a conversation with you. And if we didn't, you know, ruffle too many feathers, I would love to be back because I think there's a lot more around this topic that we could talk about. Mm, 100% creativity part two literally could talk for hours so yes it's an thank honor. you thank you for having us we're very proud of you uh, again i made a comment earlier i don't know if she's gonna include this or not but it feels weird seeing you sitting in this chair now because we know you as little danielle and you're now grown and oh how the turntables it's it's very we're both immensely proud of you yes we're proud and it's it's a treat to see you doing what you're doing now and um do why you're doing it as well so um I don't think that's, I think that's the biggest compliment. That's this is probably a prideful thing to say, but that's the biggest compliment that you and I could receive. Um, just being able to be people who have poured into her life and, and given her opportunities. So, yeah. 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 And Hey, I've said it before, but I'll say it again. I would not be who I am without you guys, you know, pour into me, show me things, grow my passions. And honestly, just having conversations. Like we've had talks like this off camera for years, right? Like, yeah, in and a it, coffee shop. Yeah, in a coffee shop about faith, about life, about struggles. And it hasn't come without conflict. There's been some. There's been some stressful oh, yeah, moments too. So you know, hey. Yeah, but what I love is we have had those hard conversations, and we've grown so much through it. In the words of the famous philosopher Vin Diesel, family, <laughs> family, family. Well, I'm gonna go watch Fast and Furious Ten, guys. So I'll catch you in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> what an outro! Peace out. Deuces. Ding.